in today's episode of Food Ops, we are talking about temp events, swap meets, and food donations. We know that prepping for inspection is a tall order, and that's why Food Ops is here to help. Welcome to Food Ops. I'm Becca. And I'm Derek. And he's a health inspector, and we are here to help you prep for inspection. We know that offering food services to the public is a big job. It's quite a big undertaking. And so whatever we can do to help make that easier, we're here to do it. That's right. Derek, let's kick off the show today starting with a talk about temp events. I just made some artichoke dip. Did you have a chance to try it oh, yet? Not yet. I can't oh. wait. <laughs> <laughs> let's say I wanted to take that artichoke dip and offer it to the public. There is a festival coming up. It's a wine festival in a nearby community. Mm -hmm. I've seen different vendors there, crafts, musicians, all types of artisans. Can I take my artichoke dip and present it to the public, offer it to the public there? Uh, no, not the artichoke dip that you've made out of your home. You cannot, you have to have, if you want to sell food, at a at an event that you prep beforehand, you need to get an additional permit to do it out of a commercial kitchen. But there's no homemade food that can be sold at temporary events. So if I had a uh, amico, that wouldn't qualify me. No, not even amico. Um, micro enterprise home kitchen operation. Food items have to be discarded at the end of the day, and they can only be sold from the house by delivery um, or on-site, um, but they can't be sold at off-site in a kind of a wholesale type of a way. You know? What food items are available to the public through temp events? And what even is a temp event, really? Let's yeah. clarify that. Yeah, so kind of identifying what a temp event is, um, it's an event that... It can be a circus, it can be a fair, a festival, um, basically anything that is like a, of educational or public nature can be an event. And I mean, they don't necessarily have to have food at them, but, you know, a lot of places they want to have food and, and beverages. So, you know, that's when the health department gets involved. So when I've driven past a mall and I see a traveling circus, mm -hmm. for example, set up in the parking lot, mm -hmm. that qualifies as a temp event? Right. Yes. Okay. Um, what about just some type of a school carnival or like a baseball league having some type of event? Are those also temp events or are those different? No, not necessarily. They can just be uh, like a booster club type sporting event for schools. They don't fall into the same category as a temp event. Um Temp event is more kind of uh, open to the public, and it's more of a public event in nature. Who typically organizes the event? Well, the organizer, <laughs> which can really be anybody, but okay. it's, it's someone who's going to coordinate all of the food vendors. They're going to obtain the necessary permits, both from the city, because you have to, in order to have the event, uh, the permit from the health department, it has to be sanctioned by the city, first of all. 
So they say, okay, yes, you can have your event. And then the organizer then takes that, uh, that approval to the health department. Um, but, the, but the coordinator is, is like the manager of the event. They, they coordinate all aspects of it. So it could be a circus, literally. And what else could it be? <laughs> right. uh, like a fair. A fair. Like a general fair. Um, festival, music festivals. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of music festivals are going to have food vendors at them. Um, a lot of like uh, car shows are going to have food vendors. Those are events. Um, art shows, you know, that, that might be outside on the streets. Um, a, a lot of things that you can think of. Cities have often recurring annual events, maybe even surrounding a holiday, like a 4th of July event. So all these events are, are going to be categorized as temporary events. And, and really, health departments may have two categories. They may have what's called an occasional event and a temporary event. So it's kind of getting into the weeds, mm-hmm. but it's based on the number of days that it operates. Is it occasional less often than temporary or more frequent? Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. O- occasional means that it operates three days or less in any 90-day period. Temporary event means that it can op- operate at four days or more in any 90-day period. Okay. So I go to the gym occasionally. Okay. Well, then you get your <laughs> occasional <laughs> per- permit then. <laughs> okay. Clear, clear, clear. Got it. Yep. What about um, sports events like a, a bike classic or a race, like a 5K? So Are those under temp events as well? Well, there would be an occasional event. And, and that's just, uh, that just kind of goes to the permitting process. As far as the food vendors set up the food, what food the food vendors can sell, it's all the same. So we can kind of refer to both of those events together if you want, just for ease of, of clarity and call them temp events. But I just kind of wanted to throw that out, out there. So when the coordinator comes and buys their permit, it, these are questions that the health specialists are just going to ask them. An occasional event is actually a designation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but we can just say temp events for the for the ease of understanding. Okay. And farmer's markets will fall under those? So farmer's market is its own permit. And oftentimes the farmer's market will have a food vendor side to it, which is considered the temp event side to it. So you have the farmers, and they're selling their produce made, grown on the certified farm selling to the public, and then you'll see the food vendors, you know, whether it's popcorn or tacos being made on site. Candy apples. Candy apples, yes. <laughs> Those vendors are going to be grouped under a temporary event permit. So you're walking through the uh, the event, the farmer's markets, and you're going through all the booths, but there's really two permits that are going on simultaneously mm. that the coordinator is going to obtained from the health department. Okay. All right. So just for the sake of an example, let's say that there's a craft fair and I want to sell these gift baskets that have a food item in them. Can I sell that? How do I go about marketing my product? You can sell that um, as long as you meet a few requirements. So what you want to do is you'll want to contact the coordinator of the event and get on the list. 
because the coordinator, the fees that they pay the health department are based on the number of food vendors. So they probably already have a preset number of food vendors that they want to invite. Um, let's say they want to have 20 food vendors. So you want to contact that, that, that coordinator and say, hey, do you have any room for me to get on your list? And let's say that they do. Okay, great. So you actually, as the food vendor, don't need to contact the health department. That coordination is done by the coordinator. They'll, they'll be responsible for getting the group permit so that you can operate at their permit. It doesn't mean that you're not going to interact with the health department because your contact information is going to be sent to the health department. They're going to reach out to you just to make sure that you understand how to properly operate the vending, uh, the, the booth on site. And they're going to want to know what foods you're making, where's this food coming from, any other health and safety considerations. So going back to your example, what was the food that you wanted to sell? Right. So I want to sell a gift basket for a holiday coming up. And let's say that there's cake pops and cookies in the gift basket okay. as well as some other gift items. Okay. All right. Um, so probably we're talking about food that has been prepared and prepackaged prior to this event. Does that sound reasonable? So are you saying that I would need to have it prepackaged? No, you don't need to have it prepackaged. Um, I was just kind of going along with the example you gave me. With cake pops, you're not going to make them there on site. Right. But we, we are concerned with where the food is coming from and who is making it. So if it's being made out of a home, um, it would need to fall. The only way that it can be sold at an event is if it is made under a cottage food operator permit. So I would need to back up and have that already before I'm even right. selling at this event. Right. So that kind of uh, addresses cake pops or any other prepackaged foods. I mean, you can also just go to the store and buy prepackaged foods and sell them at the uh, at your site. And your, that would be totally permissible. And that would be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people, though, they will... They want some more like a, a home style kind of a prepped food. And you can do that all on site if you want. So you'll see the food booth and they'll, they make in, they'll be making uh, funnel cakes, for example, right? That's not made beforehand. They make them there. So they have to meet the booth setup requirements to prepare that food there on site. Okay. So when we're talking about on site prep, what are those requirements that I need to know about? So there's first going to be the structural aspects to your food booth. You're going to make sh sure that there's four walls, ceiling, and floors. So when I say four walls, a ceiling, and floor, it can be reduced down to like an easy up canopy, mesh netting around the walls, and then some sort of impermeable floor, which can be, if it's not set on concrete or like a parking lot or sidewalk, then it would just need to have a tarp on it if it's like grass or dirt. So those are the kind of the structural requirements. So in addition to the structural requirements, you're going to, of course, need to have the proper food holding equipment there on site. So if you have cold food that needs to be held cold, you're going to have coolers with ice in them. If you're going to be cooking food, of course, you're going to have your cooking equipment there. And then if you're going to be holding food hot after it's cooked, then you'll need some way to maintain those that, that food in the proper temperature. 
Okay. So kind of the same considerations that you would have in a restaurant would be applied to these food vending booths. It's kind of, it's just like a, a mini restaurant in there. And one of the biggest things that you're going to need to set up is a hand-washing station. It can be pretty rudimentary, such as an igloo that has warm water in it, that has a little hands-free spigot, soap and paper towels, and then a catch bucket underneath to catch the water runoff. So that, that can be considered a, an adequate hand wash setup. To recap, I need to get on the list. I need to have my four walls, ceiling, and floors. I need to protect my cold food with, even if it's just a simple cooler with ice, have my cooking equipment available, have a way to hot hold my food, and then provide a hand washing station. Yeah, those are the big ticket items. You're also going to want to ensure that the food that you brought on site is from an approved source and it's obtained that morning of the event. So you can't buy food and store it at your house overnight. I can't even buy food that's unopened and leave it in the refrigerator overnight? Technically, no. No, you, you, get, you should purchase everything the day of, find some place that opens early, and then bring all of your food to the event. Keep the receipts because a lot of uh, health inspectors will want to make sure that you bought them the day of. That seems a little stringent. What's the reason on that? Oh, well, the potential for contamination cannot be verified from someone's house. So we just have to ensure that the food is has this chain of safety standards that are being met throughout the whole process. And if it goes from the store to a person's home, like who's, who's looking at the, where the food is being stored? Who's monitoring it? We don't have that system in place. So that's why we would just require it to be purchased from the store, brought to the event, and then when it's at the event, of course, it can be properly monitored, properly overseen to make sure that it, uh, it meets the current health and safety code. So we want to maintain the chain of safety then? Yes. I think my artichoke dip would be outlawed, right, at this event. So, But if I did want to serve that, could I? So you want to prepare it beforehand because it's not something that can really be prepared at the event. Is that right? Right. So there, there is a way that you can do that, and you can get a, our department calls it an artisan permit. Other departments might call it something else. But you can get an artisan permit, which basically sets you up at a commercial kitchen. So you can operate at a commercial kitchen. So you'll keep all of your food there. You'll keep your cooking equipment there or use whatever cooking equipment is there at the facility. And you can go in before the event a day or too early, however long it takes you to make the food item do all the prep work there do all the cooking there keep it in the refrigerator and then bring it to the event however you want it if you want to heat it up at your commercial kitchen and bring it hot then you can do that it's just another permit that you can obtain to make certain foods beforehand before going to the uh, temporary event Before we get into talking about swap meets, I wanted to share with you what I saw one day when I was out of town. There's a fruit stand that I observed, and the gentleman was there selling his fruit. And as he was waiting for customers, he reached down with his bare hand, and he scooped up some pineapple from a bin or something. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I couldn't see exactly. But it was in a container. He reached down, and he opened up a fruit container, and he packed that fruit container nice and full with that extra slice or two of pineapple, smushed it down with his bare hand, and then replaced the lid on top. Oh, yeah. Got to get as much fruit in there as you can. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't notice his wash station. No wash station. Just, just yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. Would that gentleman be able to sell his goods at a swap meet? Uh, yes. There's a there's a way for almost everything, but not in the manner that he is selling it on the roadside. So he can sell whole uncut fruit at a swap meet. He just needs to get a tabletop permit and get on the list with the coordinator. So it's kind of similar to a temp event, how you're going to contact the coordinator of the swap meet, and then they'll get a a swap meet permit. But then each individual vendor is going to be responsible for getting a tabletop food vendor permit for a swap meet. And that will allow them to sell whole uncut produce in addition to non-potentially hazardous prepackaged foods, chips, sodas, uh, things like that. Would that gentleman be able to slice the pineapple there? No. So it wouldn't allow any preparation, any limited preparation at all. So no slicing of food, no prepping. It would just be, it would just be a whole produce that he could only sell. So yeah, I know that uh, we often see them with cut fruit on the side of the roads, but at the swap meet with the swap meet menu permit, that's not allowed. Do swap meets permit food trucks or other food service operators? Yeah, if there's a permitted mobile food facility, a food truck permitted within the county that it operates in, then it can it can go there as long as they're they're invited or have permission to be there. Yeah, and and abide by any other zoning regulations. So there's no additional permit that needs to be obtained for a permitted food truck to operate there. And then any other type of food service, could I have my my easy up and my four walls at my little food booth? No. So now you're getting into the requirements for a temporary event permit. So if if you wanted to have preparation on site, any type of preparation on site, then you would need to get the temp event permit. Um, Entirely different from a swap meet. Entirely different from a swap meet. Yep. Different permits. Swap meet, really basic. All prepackaged foods, non-potentially hazardous, as well as whole uncut produce. Finally, Derek, as we begin to wrap up this episode of Food Ops, our state and nation are in the midst of recovery from COVID, and there's still a lot of people in great need. What role does environmental health play in the donation of food? Well, environmental health likes to educate a lot of uh, their food facilities, let them know that they do have an option of donating food. Uh, A lot of grocery stores do this, but um, restaurants can do it as well. And so the health department, they actually maintain a list of food banks or other charitable organizations that will accept donated food. So you can contact your local health department if you need help finding a place to donate your food to. And then that list can be provided. One thing to keep in mind is that a, a permitted food facility that does donate food, there there's laws to protect them against liability. So they would not be subject to civil or criminal liability or any penalty with regards to laws that regulate the labeling or packaging of the donated food or for violations occurring after the time of the donation. Some examples of food that might be donated are some expired dry goods. That's going to take up a, a, the bulk of foods that are donated. 
expired dried goods that have an expiration date on the boxes, but they're still the quality is still there. So they might not be able to sell it or use it in their facility, in their store, but it's still perfectly good food that can be donated to food banks. And food banks, they have permits with the local health department, but the fees are waived. So it doesn't cost anything for a permit, but they are looked at annually by the health department just to make sure that it's a safe place for, for storing of foods, of course. Um, there are different categories of food banks. Some of them only will offer prepackaged, non-potentially hazardous. Some of them will offer prepackaged, uh, potentially hazardous foods, such as meats, dairy, any frozen items. And then some charitable organizations will actually prepare food on site. And so it's good for them to be inspected to make sure that they're still following proper health and safety code uh, so that the food they're preparing is not going to make someone sick. What can you tell us about what we would need to know if, if we want to donate baby food, baby formula? Are there special considerations for those? Yeah, baby food and infant formula, there's no allowance for selling that after the expiration date. So once those items expire, they will need to be discarded. And that just revolves around the idea that infant formula, baby food services uh, babies, a susceptible population. So there's uh, more stringent rules and requirements for that food. And if you would like to find out more about how to contribute in your community, you can contact your local health department and they will provide you with a list of organizations where you could donate your food. Derek, we've talked temp events, swap meets, and food donations. This has been another episode of Food Ops. I'm Becca. And I'm Derek. And we will see you next time. Bye now.